is Bloomberg Surveillance. A lot of the European equities we think are incredibly cheap. Eastern Europe, emerging Europe, we think are wonderful buying opportunities. I think there are some signs, some early signs, that manufacturing is rebounding, including in the U.S. An investment outlook beyond three or four years, to me, is more like a religion or a philosophy than a forecast. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio. Good morning, everyone. Michael McKee and Tom King. Good morning, Global Wall Street. In a moment, the interview of the day for Global Wall Street. Charles Peabody will join us from Portalis Partners as we begin a most ugly earnings season. He has been way out front. Coming up, Peabody on the challenges of Global Wall Street. Of course, for those of you listening to us uh, in London, uh, Nomura out with that announcement this morning. Citigroup laying off 70 people as well, uh, many of them off the London uh, desk. Bloomberg Surveillance uh, this morning brought to you by Cone Resnick Accounting. Tax advisory as economic policy changes, so do business decisions. Speak to the experts at Cone Resnick for forward-thinking advice you need. Find out more. At ConeResnick.com, C-O-H-N-R-E-Z-N-I-C-K, ConeResnick.com. Michael, it's good to have Charles Peabody on. Well, it's a particularly uh, important week. Financials, yeah. uh, well, it's ugly. I mean, that, that's all okay. you can say about it, right? There's the, uh, uh, the headline. Charles Peabody, within all your wonderful perspective, and you've been very cautious on the earnings capability, how ugly will it be in the coming 10 days for the banks? Well, it's going to be ugly, um, particularly for the large uh, money center banks and brokers, Um Earnings will be down, you know, certainly double-digit levels. For the regional banks, earnings are also going to be down uh, year over year, but it's going to be much more mixed, and there will be a scattering of some improvements um, at some of the regional banks. Where is compensation right now? When they bring out their earnings, they trot out a percentage for compensation. Are they overcompensating? Are they right-sizing? What's the dynamic on labor that you see at the five or six major banks? Well, they're, they're in the process of, of constantly right-sizing. It, it's, there's no longer a big major program, but it's, it's sort of hiding off pieces, mostly around the corporate and investment bank right now. Um, but um, this quarter you will see some unusual charges um, for severance, probably both at Bank America and City for layoffs. Um, and you'll see some you know, unusual charges for equity incentive comp, which are going to depress the quarters as well at J.P. Morgan and um, Bank America. The, uh, the J.P. Morgan is going to kick things off as they usually do, but Jamie Dimon usually surprises. Uh, is there is there a rabbit up uh, his sleeve or in his hat this time? I, I don't think this quarter there will be. Um, I think it will be a, a, a depressing quarter, something in the dollar twenty-five to a dollar thirty range, um, which will be, you know, down from you know the dollar sixty-one that they earned last year. Um, you know, when you look at the businesses that these universal banks run, there's not a lot of good. You know, capital markets revenues are going to be down twenty percent plus or minus. Mortgage banking is going to be weak. Um, asset management revenues are probably going to be flat to down. Even cards, which are showing some signs of life, credit cards, are going to have some pressures from the competitive pricing dynamics of um, 
renewing these reward contracts. Um, so about the only good news is going to be on the top line revenues or the spread income because there is some stability well, in margins and good loan growth developing. You, but you have an outperformance Citigroup. But let's make this clear, folks. There's the PE and earnings season is earnings, earnings, revenues, revenues. But there's the balance sheet idea, Charles, of the book, the B. I, I mean, right. they're very book-centric. Is, is, is there an investable case now based on rising balance sheet book versus income statement agony? Yeah, and, and that's the key, Tom, is, is we do believe that there's an earnings recession that the banks face this year and next year. So earnings are going to be under pressure for the next two years. Um, so, but we think in this next down economic downturn, the banks are going to show that they've managed their balance sheets very well. They've doubled their capital base, they've significantly improved their capital, and they've de-risked their loan portfolios. So we don't think that book value is going to be impaired in this next cycle and that the banks will be able to continue to grow their book value. So we're um, aligning ourselves with those stocks that are selling at deep discounts to book on the belief that book value will prove to be true and will grow through the next economic downturn. One of the uh, things that um, critics of the banks have suggested we need to look at is not just return on equity, but return on risk. And if the banks have de-risked significantly, then uh, maybe the metric isn't too bad. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point, Mike. Um, you, you know, listen, the bulls will tell you that, the first quarter doesn't matter. We, we all know the first quarter is going to be ugly. Um, and that the second quarter will show incremental improvement, and that's a stair step to better earnings in the second half of the year. Um, and therefore, the stocks are all cheap and, and aggressive buys. The bears will tell you, yeah, we're probably seeing as bad as we're going to see in the first quarter for the short term. And the second quarter will show a sequential improvement, but it'll still be down year over year. And I still think that full year 16 earnings will be down from 15. So any kind of rally is going to be capped by these declining earnings. Um, and it's hard to see where the fundamental earnings power for a sustained rally is going to come because we don't have any visibility of the capital markets revenues yet. Mortgage banking may seasonally improve in the second quarter. Credit cards are probably going to improve a little bit. Um, asset management will be a function of the markets. Um, and top-line revenues will be dependent on the Fed hiking rates, and that's very uncertain. So there's not a lot of earnings visibility, but you could make an argument things are as bad as they're going to get, for, and the first quarter is going to show that. Okay, where's the drama? Where's the M&A? Where's the, um, the, the, the synergistic mergers? I mean, is, does banking have a, a pass from the government? They can't do that? Uh, for the moment, yes. I mean, all the major banks like J.P. Morgan, Bank America, Wells Fargo, they're at that 10% deposit cap, so they can't do acquisitions. Um, then there are a number of, of mid-tier banks that are still dealing with um, getting their um, anti-money laundering and compliance issues in place so that they will be allowed to do acquisitions. So the acquisitions we see probably will be year-end loaded, I mean, back-end loaded or 17, and they're going to be more in the mid-small-tier banks. Uh, the, uh, the the description you give of, of um, where we are looking for banks to make money or or lose money sounds very much like traditional banking, I mean, like like it used to be. 
um, and uh, instead of you know the way uh, they managed to move things around on balance sheets over the last uh, how many years? Yeah, I think that's true, Mike. I mean, you know, if you look at fee income this quarter, fee income is going to be very weak year over year. And yet spread income, lending money out at a spread um, above your cost of deposits, is probably going to show some <laughs> growth. And yeah. what everyone's yeah. hoping for is that we'll see another rate hike from the Fed that will further enhance margins going forward. Tom, imagine that. You, you you take deposits and pay a low rate, and you lend the money out at a really? higher rate. How quaint. What an interesting idea <clears throat> for a business. Yeah, I mean, but he, even that kind of revenue growth this quarter we think is going to be somewhere around 1% year over year. That's so it's not robust. Are there too many banks, I mean, within the perspective of, for, well, you know, no, forget you're, about you're black mergers or, or, or that, but, but are there just in this new Dodd-Frank post-crisis distrust world, are there just too many banks? Um, I think we're going to continue to see a shrinkage in the number of banks as we have on a secular basis. But the real problem right now is if you think of the three major line items on a bank P&L, you've got your revenues, you've got your loan loss provision or your credit issues, and then you have operating expenses. On the operating expense front, you still have to spend heavily for cybersecurity, for building your delivery models, particularly through mobile banking, and for compliance. And, and so your expense structure is hard to shrink at this point unless you do some layoffs. Then if you look at the revenue picture, the fee income, as I said, in particularly in mortgage banking and capital markets, is under pressure. Um, and your top-line revenues are growing, but they're not growing rapidly because we don't have the Fed in a rate-hiking mode. So the, the 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 sort of incremental material factor is what's going to happen mm-hmm. to your credit provisioning, and we've seen a definite inflection point towards credit deterioration in the corporate markets, obviously led by the material sector and and energy. Right. But you're starting to see deterioration in the healthcare sector and in the information technology sector, and I think by the end of the year we're going to see more reserves being added for commercial real estate as well. Charles Peabody with us. We'll continue this discussion and talk about individual managements, their stories, and their banks. We'll do that coming up. Mr. Peabody is with Portalis Partners. Futures up six. Dow futures up 29. The Dow closing 17,556. The VIX closing 16.26. The Euro, 113.99. 113.99. Now let's check in with Michael Barr and get the latest world and national headlines. Mike, Tom, thank you very much. Brazilian lawmakers are a step closer to impeaching President Dilma Rousseff. The committee in the lower house voted for the impeachment process. Lawmakers could vote on the floor of the lower house as early as Sunday. Rousseff is accused of bypassing Congress to illegally finance a budget deficit. Turkish artillery units are shelling Islamic State group targets across the border in Syria. Hours after rockets fired from Syria struck a Turkish border town, wounding eight people. Two more suspects have been charged in connection with last month's terrorist bombings in Brussels. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom? Michael Barr, thanks so much. Thanks to Jeffrey Curry of Goldman Sachs. Very generous with his time uh, this morning. His terminal value on oil, 55, uh, with a nudge to the downside right now. West Texas, 40, 61. Brent, 43, 32, both up fractionally. 
with Charles Peabody, Portel's Partners. For Global Wall Street, this is Bloomberg Surveillance. Jeff Curry doesn't see a lot of uh, hope for copper in from the housing industry. We'll get an update on housing. Doug Duncan, the chief economist at Fannie Mae, coming up on Bloomberg Surveillance. Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures are rising this morning. Let's go to the first word breaking news desk for today's morning call. And here's Bill Maloney. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, Karen. That's right. U.S. stock futures are pointing to a modestly higher open. Dow futures currently higher by 34 points. S&P's gained six and Nasdaq futures rise by 13. The U.S. 10 yield at 1.76%. And European markets are trading mixed this morning. On the U.S. economic front at 8.30, import price index and a 2 o'clock monthly budget statement. In other news, Fitch downgraded Saudi Arabia to AA-. Minus. And after the bell last night, Alcoa Q1 revenue missed estimates, also cut year aluminum demand outlook. Juniper preliminary Q1 adjusted EPS and revenue trailed estimates. Shares are down 8% pre-market. And regarding earnings this morning, Fastenal missed. Finally, some year early Wall Street upgrades and downgrades. Hertz cut to neutral over at Credit Suisse. Starbucks cut the hole versus buy at Deutsche Bank. Avon cut to neutral at Piper. Corning raised to buy at Goldman Sachs. And Juniper cut to neutral versus buy over at UBS. Live from the first breaking news desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Karen? Great, thanks, Bill. To hear live breaking news over your Bloomberg, type Squawk Go on your terminal. That's S-Q-U-A-W-K-Go. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen, thanks so much. Bloomberg Surveillance this morning brought to you by Invesco. Markets may be volatile, but Invesco's value managers are finding high conviction opportunities. Find out where at Invesco.com slash Interactive. We're thrilled to bring you to get things going on earnings season for big banks. Charles Peabody, Portales Partners. Charles, before we dive into Bank of America, my pet peeve among all that analyze this except grizzled pros like you is we don't have an understanding of how big these entities are. I literally can see the CEO's eyes glaze over when they realize a person they're talking to has no clue that net revenue for Bank of America is some $80 billion, that they bring $24 billion down to the bottom line with a 29% margin, uh, and then you go to the balance sheet and the numbers are even more ginormous. What metric do you use to explain the ginormousness of these banks? Uh, um, <laughs> that's a good question, Tom. I mean, I, I'm not sure there's any single metric, but but certainly, you know, the capital structure, the asset base, the revenue base, you know, all, all of the above. But it, it's it's also the complexity of the businesses that they run. Yeah. I mean, they're they're you know in auto finance, student lending, credit cards, um, mortgage banking. You know, they're in middle market banking, small business lending. You know, large corporate banking, investment banking, equity and debt underwriting, trading. I mean, it's it's a it's a huge task to manage all of these different businesses. Total assets, Bank of America, just to pick on them, two trillion dollars. The U.S. economy is about seventeen trillion. Do you know what's on the balance sheet of Fortress Moynihan? Um, 
you know, uh, the answer is yes, we do. I, I will tell you, I, I've been in this business for 30 years, and the one thing that is still perplexing in terms of being able to analyze the risk is the, are these derivative portfolios. I, I think as an analyst who's tried and tried and tried, you just don't know the risk of these derivative portfolios. And that's, you know, the kind of structure that's going to be tested in the next economic downturn because of the growing illiquidity of these markets. I wonder, uh, when you look at the earnings reports from these various banks, if you can unpack and make the connections, the the uh, synergies that they all promised us as they got so big, does it really show up, or is it just still a collection of disparate businesses that all contribute to what they can, what they can to the bottom line? Well, you know, as you know, there's pressure to break up these big banks. Um, I... I Personally, I, I doubt that that's going to happen. I understand the political rhetoric, um, but from a regulatory point of view, the regulators have asked these banks to improve their capital, and they've doubled their capital position. The, the regulators have asked them to improve their liquidity. They significantly improved their liquidity. They've been de-risking their loan portfolios. So they've done, from a, a risk management point of view, a lot of what the regulators have demanded of them. Um, the, the problem is that from a shareholder point of view, they're not earning their cost of capital. I mean, maybe Goldman and J.P. Morgan are, but some of the other banks aren't. And that's where the pressure is coming to break up the big banks is, is mm-hmm. the belief that a simplified structure will, it will improve their cost of capital. But this, you, if you do that, you're going to lose a lot of the synergies that you were referring to, Mike, and they run in the tens of billions of dollars. So we do see... Uh, synergies, what what works the best? I mean, what things that banks do work best together or where they can do the cross-selling? Well, for, for example, um, the asset management and the corporate and investment bank have um, opportunities for cross-selling. Middle market banking really feeds off of the investment banking products these days much more so than it used to. Um, so, you know, there there is you know, from the private banking business, opportunities for consumer products to be cross-sold, such as jumbo mortgages. So there are cross-selling, I mean, they're real, the cross-selling opportunities and the synergies. I, I look at this, and I guess we could devolve in a final minute down to single Best Buy. Where's the greatest opportunity five years out for Charles Peabody? Well, I, I think given today's price, and price is important um, in picking stocks, um, I think Citigroup is my number one pick. But the, the one thing I will emphasize, Tom, if you look at the last six bull markets, not once, not once did banks outperform in the last 12 months of a bull market. So I think banks are going to have a very tough go of it. Um, and the only way you're going to make money over the next 12 months is to trade them. But I think if you look out five years, the banks are going to have proven themselves to the regulators that they've managed their balance sheets much better than in past cycles. And at the end of 17 or maybe 18, the banks are going to be unleashed, and they're going to be able to return massive amounts of capital to shareholders. They're going to be investing in businesses because their capital won't be impaired. And I think, you know, starting in 18, 19, 20, these stocks could double or triple from current levels. Oh, that's quite a statement, Charles. But, Peabody. but we have to get through the earnings recession first. Yeah. Okay, well, the, the, that, that's a good caveat. Yeah. Charles Peabody, always valuable. Thank you. That's quite a statement from Portales uh, Partners with a view on, you know, that's what we love to do here, folks, try to get away from, you know, what's going to happen tomorrow with the yen and actually say, what do you want to do with the financials in your retirement plan? Yeah. 
Not that we would. I mean, the all. I mean, well, we the let the experts fund. tell us. Yeah. Economic data. We do that as well at Bloomberg Surveillance next. Coming up with a With All Due Respect highlight brought to you by Land Rover. If it's in your nature to cast off the everyday and seek adventure, the Discovery Sport was built to help your search. Visit LandRoverTriState.com or call 1-800-FIND-4WD for details. Land Rover, above and beyond. <laughs> 